Welcome to another episode of the In the Limelight podcast. I'm Clarissa Burt, founder of In the Limelight Media, where we enlighten, entertain, and educate our listeners. You are tuned in to HealthWise 360 with Christy Cordingly. Enjoy. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this episode of HealthWise 360, a creation of Clarissa Burt, founder of In the Limelight Media. And I'm your show host, Chrissy Cordingly, and you'll be able to see this interview on In the Limelight TV, which is distributed on Roku, Amazon Fire, Apple TV, and a hundred other smart TV apps. The audio version of this interview can be heard wherever you listen to your podcasts. And today I'm super excited because I am interviewing Juan Williams, and he has lived in the serial city of Battle Creek, Michigan. I really want to know what that means. At the melting pot of Honolulu, Hawaii. As a radio news journalist, Mr. Williams worked at several radio stations and volunteered at the Chicago, Illinois, and Honolulu, Hawaii radio for the blind, and at Yale University student broadcasting station. He is retired from local 675 as a union mechanical engineer and even tried the culinary arts as a cook for chef Michael Mina. He's he's your jack of all trades. And he has a life education. I love that he puts it that way. It's a life education that includes attendance at University of New Haven, Southern Connecticut State University, DePaul University, as well as a mechanical uh, engineering from the University of Hawaii and a bachelor's in interdisciplinary business from Arizona State University. I'm getting tired. Holy, you're accomplished. And what I love, but he also says his life education includes overcoming stomach cancer as a personal health crisis. And so now he is on a mission and he's promoting a total understanding of personal self-help health with his new book, Why Your Lifestyle is Killing You. So welcome to the show, Juan. Well, thank you. You know, I'm an old guy. So, you know, that's why I got so much (laughs) stuff in that list. You know, being 63 years old, you end up having six decades of activity in your life. So it just piles up, right? You know that. <laughs> it does. Yes. It does. Absolutely. It does. Yes. It does. Yes, yes. And you definitely don't look 63, that's for sure. So you you have a really interesting Thank journey. You. And you, you know, you talk about life experience and you mentioned in some of your stories that you talk about, you know the early beginnings of where Juan came from. So you moved out of your home at 14 years of age to go live with a foster family. So your parents were still around, but you chose to live somewhere else. What happened in your life that you decided to make that change? Well, you know, a lot of us in this world, unfortunately, have dysfunctional families. You know, Mm -hmm. we're we're kind of getting used to that being the scenario for many of us. Uh, But we have to understand that uh, as we move forward, even if we're of teen years, that we need to mature quickly and understand our circumstances. And and of course, I felt like at 10 years old, it was time to go, but (laughs) that's a whole whole other story. And my brother, me, my brother and sister, you know, we always discuss this matter. And the fact that because of the dysfunction in the family, that dysfunction really uh, had to do with just getting along. You know, my parents not getting along. And my mother moved on to a stepfather at some point while we're single digit age. And for almost a decade, they just fought and fought and fought. So it just became an issue for us. And finally, we found that it was time to move on. My older brother, he was 17, so he did his own thing. Uh, Me and my sister, I decided to move forward because she was a year older than me. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I decided to move forward and ask one of our former neighbors to take us in because they were very balanced, very religious. Uh, You know, they had a lot of good things going on. They they had their own uh, large garden. Uh, and all these wonderful nature, natural things going on in their life. And I thought it would be beautiful for us to learn that. 
So, and that's what we did. Um, you know, I stayed with this family throughout my high school years. And they just taught me everything about what it was to be healthy about uh, back then with Shackley, Herbal Life, you know, all these wonderful, uh, uh, you know, natural ways of living and being healthy. Um, and they even had these unique trees. Oh, you paused a little bit there. Okay. Okay, we're back from our little technical glitch there. So continue uh, yeah. on about the trees and your lovely foster family. Well, you know, they had this one tree that they called the quince tree. It had this fruit that looked a little bit like a pear, oh. uh, but it wasn't sweet. They would make these uh, preserves, uh, you know, the sugared preserves, but it, it tastes kind of like a, a cross between a pear and an apple. Mm. But they said it was possibly the fruit that Eve ate that was forbidden. Oh. And so I always, you know, thought maybe, okay, maybe, maybe not, who knows. <laughs> but the way, it, I mean, I ate it off the tree and I said, no, nah, there's no way I would have been tempted by this thing, but see, I'm mm -hmm. a man, not a woman. So the bitter fruit. Oh, um, <laughs> She just didn't know till after she yeah. bit it. There yeah. it is. <laughs> That's the scenario. But and then she said, yeah, "Hey, this try family. this." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. So try this. And, yeah, she set him up. But anyway, uh, <laughs> but here's here's the thing. This family was wonderful. They were just as joyous and joyful and and jovial as I am, and jokingly, you know, going through life in a very methodical, wonderful way. You know, the uh, understanding was, of course, that me being a young teenager, that I needed, you know, a lot of discipline mm -hmm. because here I'm growing up trying to be a man. And that, that takes some real work from a standpoint of a family just having a teenager come into it and trying to teach him what it is to be. But that family also had an older son and he took me on as his little brother. So he was able to help me, too. Uh he himself became a very famous sommelier, which is a wine expert, uh, which was his hobby when I first met him. Uh, you know, it was just something that he was interested in based on the religious connection to the fact that Christ made water into wine. And of course, he did many experiments to figure out if he can do that himself. <laughs> it never worked. No, it never worked. Uh, <laughs> He always had to put them grapes in there. Mm -hmm. Anyway, uh, that's a whole nother story. Um, but, you know, that family, that's really where I get this wonderful personality and character. Because from where I came from and the fact that I had that dysfunction, you know, sometimes that really creates a lot of negative in a person's life. Yeah. And they go throughout life with that negative. And it, it really does not work well as you move forward into your later years. But fortunately, I found that wonderful jovial family that, you know, turned me into this individual who now, as an older person, is able to really enjoy life and not be bitter or miserable, because that's what we see when things like that happen to young people. And I want to talk to some of those young people right now and say, you don't have to stay in your situation or your condition. You can change it. Even at a young age, like I was 14, but I knew it wasn't good. I just basically made an executive decision at 14 years old and said, okay, we have to change this. And I did. And it was a change for the better. And it really changed my life uh, so wonderfully now that I can enjoy this life. And, and then I found out I had a lot of 
wonderful, you know, really good expertises, things that I could really work on. And they helped me work on some of the, the finer points of myself and how to be a better person and how to be more of an expert at things. Uh, and my focus, because that's another thing being a teenager is your focus sometimes is really not there. So you need help with that. So these folks really helped me with that. I think, you know, you said that they made you into that. I, I sort of see it as you recognize that where you were did not fit you and you made a decision to go to them. And the way you took that opportunity and the way that you integrated it into that family with love and trust, I would say it was always in you. They just helped you find it. And you may be right about that, Uh, only because they were part of our lives. As I said, they were neighbors early on, you know, when we were maybe six, seven, eight years old, they had become part of our lives. Um, And they just kind of watched us grow up to a certain level. And fortunately, they were there when it came time to make that transition. Yes. Uh, So, yeah, maybe, you know, that that generally uh, within us. And this is what they taught us in that family. You know, within Mm -hmm. us is is a very godly soul. Uh, Everyone has that wonderful godly soul of creation, that wonderful godly soul of being this pleasant individual. Uh, But sometimes it has to be tapped so so that it can come out. Uh, But we're seeing in this world that the sad part is that we're allowing that to fester in a negative vein and it's causing other issues of communication and ability of getting along. Uh, So, you know, we need to get away from that because we know that the godly way of approaching communication is to get along <laughs> and stop fighting. You know, why are we fighting so much? Yeah, we have differences, but hey, you know, it only has to do with the fact that we have differences of opinion and we can we can move on from that and we can work together. See, my education at Arizona State University was an interdisciplinary studies in business. And what that meant was this one thing, getting people of different opinions on the same page. So, yeah. and that is, is in layman's terms, the only reason I really took that particular uh, discipline was because I wanted to see what it really was mm-hmm. and how to do that because I could see it wasn't working in a <laughs> lot of avenues, right? <laughs> how do you do that? Uh, and, and what I found out is that uh, it's not necessarily meant to work in America. <laughs> 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 that that could be a whole show uh, on itself, uh, right? Systemic yes, issues. Absolutely. Oh my word. I'm kind of wondering whether that's really was meant yeah. to work in America. <laughs> because we know America has a different idea of how to move forward with the capitalist system. But that's a whole nother story. Yeah. That is a whole nother story. Uh, but it does relate to stress, and stress relates to health, right? And yes. so you had a tumultuous uh upbringing, and I'm sure I I would imagine that that would have affected your health. Like I like I know my kids when they're stressed and like their stress would be very minor compared to that kind of stress. I hope anyways, hopefully they're not <laughs> one day saying I need it out yeah. of my mom's house, but they, mm. but when they're stressed, I mean, they get headaches, they get stomach aches, the normal signs of stress. So I imagine you didn't feel very good either in that type of environment. Well, yes. And changing At, at your times I did have health problems. Yeah. I mean, I did have stomach problems. I did have health problems. As a matter of fact, I nearly died at the age of nine years old with um, scarlet fever. Uh, I had a fever of 105 and and I nearly just burned up. Uh, They had to take it to the doctor. I spent a couple of weeks in the hospital uh, trying to get that temperature down. Uh, But what come to find out is, you know, we were very active children 
and we find ourselves in environmental areas that, that really we shouldn't have been putting our hands, our faces, our mouths and nothing in, right? So that's probably one of the issues. I ended up with a big ear infection and that turned into something even worse. And stress does affect the immune system too. Yes. And then yes. you mentioned, so I sort of giggled about this in your bio, but I'd like to learn more about it because you you grew up in Battle Creek, Michigan, and you called it like the serial, the serial city. So I imagine, yes. <laughs> but then it has yes. a health history initiative. So I guess they were trying to yes. change their, what their reputation was for food. Well, the thing was, is a hundred years ago, more than a hundred years ago, uh, John Harvey Kellogg, uh, and his brother, W.T. Kellogg, uh, they came to Battle Creek with this idea of this healthy society. And so mm -hmm. they started creating one uh, from maybe the 1870s into the early 1900s. They were working on creating a society that was better prepared uh, by being, uh, you know, a healthy living society. And what they did, they created all of these large buildings, what they call sanatoriums in Battle Creek. Mm -hmm. uh, they were like hospital buildings. Yep. But people would come from around the world and spend weeks and weeks getting themselves straight. They did anything from colonics uh, to just general holistic uh, practices of chiropractic, acupuncture, etc. cetera. Uh, and you know, all of this was to better the health. But the cereal part comes with what uh, WK and Harvey came up with, ideas for food. And the fact that they pressed uh, corn in order to make the cornflakes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that was one of their signature uh, cereal and breakfast cereals. Uh, and that's why they call it the Cereal City, because uh, that predicated a lot of, um, you know, new uh, ideas for corporations and companies. And so we had, uh, you know, companies like Post Cereals, we had Kellogg's, uh, we had uh, Archway Cookies, um, you know, we had dog foods, uh, corporations, we had all kinds of stuff in Battle Creek that was going on. These factories making all of these foods for different uh, animals and, and for farms and for people. And with that initiative, uh, they basically moved forward with the ability to really balance life. Uh, and, and that's what I learned even from that family that I joined as a teenager is that they were looking for about a balanced life. And they were actually Seventh-day Adventists. Uh, and I, I believe that's what the Kellogg's were, some of the advance. Yes. But with that um, understanding of religion, you know, their initiative is to live healthy and live off the land yes. and, and not rely on processed foods in order to survive. You know, they want to grow their own. Uh, and, and that's real important. And see, when I uh, finished high school, I was a radio news journalist right out of high school. And I would always broadcast about the Cereal City. And I would say, Cereal City weather is partly cloudy, you know, things of that sort. So um, the Cereal City is very famous in that sense, is that uh, they started also an initiative to become, you know, worldwide with what they were doing with food. And of course, all the Kellogg's cereals that are on the shelf still today, all the Post cereals that are still on the shelf today, all of that comes from that idea in Battle Creek, which is the best to you each morning from Battle Creek. That oh. was the saying back in the 60s and 70s in a lot of commercials. The best UH morning from Battle Creek. And that's, you know, I didn't know how famous Battle Creek was when I was a child mm -hmm. until I actually started getting involved in the outside world. We actually had one of the cereal dumps within a couple of miles of where we live. We'd go out to the cereal dump 
whether they dump old boxes of cereal and take the toys and things out of these boxes <laughs> and sell them at school. The little Super Balls <laughs> that they had, the Jacks, yeah. uh, you know, whatever toys they had, we'd pull them out of the boxes, go to school, and we'd make money off of that stuff. That's, that's so that's amazing. that story. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> that's amazing. Um, so then as you got older, so you learned to live this healthy lifestyle a little bit. And Seventh-day Adventists are also, many of them are vegetarian as well, right? Yes. And yes. which is, I I mean, I'm vegan myself, so I think that's great. Plant Plants are amazing for health and well, uh, health. Um, but you still did have a serious health challenge in your life. You ended up with stomach cancer. Do you want to share that story with us? And, you know, I, I truly nearly died because I didn't know what to do. Uh, but I had learned, uh, you know, over the years, because this was just five years ago. And I'm sorry, that's my English Mastiffs <laughs> causing some issues because they want to be on camera, too. But, they can you know, they, camera? They, they, they love daddy and they really want to be a part of whatever he does. Yes. Because uh, we have the same beautiful brown color. Right? These dogs are <laughs> gorgeous. I love we're, Mastiffs. We're twins. Beautiful. Yes. <laughs> beautiful. Um, but, you know, the thing is, is with, you know, my stomach problem it became confusing you know i really at some point didn't know what to do uh but i had to go back 20 years earlier my daughter actually had an intestinal bowel syndrome at some point when she was only 12 so mm -hmm. i went back to that scenario and what had happened with her and understanding what they had to do you know to help her the doctors the natural medicines and herbals and things so i just started on that particular uh you know course and I also started eating vegetarian and eating uh, a Japanese-based diet because the Japanese are very uh, you know, good in discovering what it is that will recreate your stomach digestive system. Mm -hmm. So I started eating a lot of the seaweeds, the fishes, and the natural grains that they had and adding that in with you know, what I was eating already. And it just restored the ability to digest food properly because I had gotten down about 60 pounds oh, wow. in just a matter of months. And the picture that you, you see of me standing next to my uncle, who was a retired uh, uh, military police officer, uh, you know, he, you, you can see in his face, he's concerned. Mm -hmm. um, it was around Christmas time. And I had just gotten to the point where I was getting to restore myself. Christmas was more of a gift then you know, because mm -hmm. I started feeling so good and better because from July to November, which was Thanksgiving, I had felt like I was going to die. And it was really, uh, it was, it was just down, 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 down. But finally, when Thanksgiving Christmas came, it was like, okay, we got it. We stopped it. We're on the way up. And here I am today, still healthy and moving forward and feeling a million times better because, you know, after a roller coaster of five years of eating and not eating and, and understanding myself better, now I'm more consistently with those things that I explained to you before we started the show about fasting every month, uh, not eating breakfast, uh, waiting until noon to eat so that I have only a window to eat in, and, and really structuring myself um, better with my eating habits and making better choices. Because a plant-based diet takes work. You really have to think about what you're going to eat before you eat it and plan it out. You know, you, you can't just say, okay, I'm going to eat this or eat that. Okay, I'm going to run out to the, the, you know, the fast food place. No, you can't do that. Uh, because what it does is that it creates that issue 
of you putting in what's not medicine because plant-based eating is actually medicine for you and it benefits you every time you eat it. And then that's what it's supposed to do. But when you eat processed foods, it starts blocking and it's a blocking mechanism for your good health. So we need to eat right every single time we put something in our mouth. Absolutely. And plants too, what I tell people a lot of the time, because I'm a health coach and I've, I've taken nutrition and, and other things, and is that just even if you are going to indulge in something, eat a vegetable first, get some of that soluble fiber in your stomach and in your intestines. So it's coated at least, and there'll be a little bit less damage from the yeah. stuff, but not, not as an everyday thing, but if you're going to have the odd treat, as some people might call it, at least put a salad in you first and then eat yes. whatever that thing is. And that's there actually going to help it make it easier for your stomach to digest because that soluble fiber then picks it up and pushes it through your intestine and out your colon. But yeah, it's, um, <laughs> it's there. Yeah. We need vegetables. We need fiber. There's no doubt about it. So is that what inspired you to write your book? Yes, it is. And, you know, I put a story in there about a Japanese man I met, um, who said he was the uh, son of the uh, Toyota executive uh, CEO at the time. This is back mm -hmm. in 1980. Uh, you know, I, I couldn't necessarily prove that today. Otherwise, I'd be getting free Toyotas every year. <laughs> uh, I, I, matter of fact, I drive a Toyota truck. Uh, but, you know, the, the real thing is when I went to have breakfast with him one day when I was in Hawaii, I looked at the food we were about to eat. And I said, oh, this is not American breakfast. It, it's, it was like dinner or lunch. It, they eat the same thing, breakfast, lunch, or dinner. But see, that showed me the consistency of these people and why they live so long and they have a better quality of life. It's because they eat consistently good foods that are good for them. Uh, you know, the seaweeds and the, and the soups and, and the wonderful uh, grains and things they were eating and offering, you know, it was very tasty. So at that point, I should have learned, you know, uh, you know, how to really structure my life to eat better. But I didn't really pay attention to it because, you know, these American foods sometimes are so wonderfully attractive and tasty and, and addictive. You just can't stay away from them. So <laughs> we know we know where that comes from. Yes. Yeah. yeah and they're really well marketed as well. Yes. Uh, and they have subsidies, right? So they have more money to spend on advertising and, and that type of stuff yes. too, which, you know, our, our poor vegetable farmers do not, sadly. So tell us a little bit about, your book is called Why Your Lifestyle is Killing You. So tell us a little bit about what the book is about. Well, and, um, you know, the book starts off by telling us the history of how we got away from the natural way of eating. Mm -hmm. uh, our historical uh, way of eating back in Bible times, the fact that things that were important to our medical and medicinal health were the foods that we ate. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we didn't understand that a lot of what the doctors back then were doing in order to keep us healthy didn't have to do with giving us a prescription for something. It had to do with just giving us a good meal. Mm -hmm. So that's the one thing we have to appreciate, that the garlic that we eat, the oregano that we eat, all the spices that we put in our foods today, those aren't just spices. You know, those are herbals to get your body balanced. So that's what I, you know, that's where I start the book with the historical record of how we need to think about our food and the fact that food is medicine. Mm -hmm. And every time we put it in our bodies, we have to look at it as if it's a prescription for a better health. 
So if we don't look at it that way, then we're going to continue to have problems throughout life. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So when does your book come out? It comes out next month. Right now it's scheduled uh, approximately February 15th. We've had some delays uh, based on just some of the things that had to do with getting the book structured and properly formatted uh, and, you know, some uh, you know, the delays here and there with the printing and the processing. But, uh, you know, that's to be expected as you're moving forward with different, uh, you know, co- companies and corporations that are trying to help you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but, but right now we're, we're on schedule for February 15th. It might come out a little bit earlier. It's actually on pre-sale right now. Yes. Uh, on my uh, website, www.wanwisdom.com, W-A-N-W-I-Z-D-O-M.com. And what you'll see is a tab and you can buy it through PayPal right now. We'll have some other options. Uh, mm-hmm. It's going to be on Amazon as well as uh, Barnes and Noble and some of these other sources. Perfect. Uh, but, you know, I've had a already a professional review of the book. And what they're saying about the book is that although it smacks in the face of Western medicine, the most important thing is that it's a change that we need to have in our lives based on what happened two years ago with COVID. Yeah. Uh, and I didn't get too deep into the COVID issue. I just basically told my story about having COVID. So you understood what I went through because most of us go through the same thing when we had it. Uh, but the issue you need to know is that there's so much to it and there's so much to COVID that we have to battle. And the only way we can battle that properly is to get ourselves healthy and prepared for it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So what is your goal with the book? What are you hoping that readers will walk away with? What are you hoping will come? Well, they need to understand that although we have lives that somehow come from a dysfunctional battle with early days, that we can right the ship. We can make things right. We can can work on ourselves and work on our situation and work on the circumstances that are around us and make them right. You know, it, it's never a lost cause. So this book is really about that specifically that you can never think that you can't do something because it can be done. But the other thing about, you know, wait, about, uh, you know, your New Year's resolutions and all the things you want to do for this new year, you know, we have to think in terms of a positive uh, goal in mind, something that we really want to accomplish and stick to it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with the book, the book itself, it goes through my life and tells you a little bit about me, but then I get right into the holistic nature and the original nature of what we did way back when in order to get ourselves right. And I mentioned all the people that helped me, some of the holistic doctors that were involved and those that came to me with good ideas and good opportunity so that I could keep myself healthy and get myself healthy when I wasn't healthy. Mm-hmm. So, and I needed help, you know, so don't be afraid to ask for help. Don't be afraid to reach out for it. It's there. And for you, you need to think more specifically about you yourself because I'm different from you. Everybody's different. How is it that we're not different if our fingerprints on every single human being is different? So we have to understand ourselves individually. We really do. And and that's really what you did (coughs) is you started listening to your own body and uh your own intuition i mean and that's why we get quiet we get still and we listen to our body to what it needs it does tell us what we need to know oh oh you're okay there yeah i'm sorry i just little dog hair 
Yeah, I, 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 I think it was that uh, the taco I had earlier. Oh yeah. <laughs> It got got a little uh, pepper caught up in there. There you go. Pepper. Yeah, that happens. That happens. Yeah. Well, spice, spice is good for you. It's good yes. for the stomach. Oh, but yeah. yeah, the the body's amazing at telling you what it needs. We just don't listen sometimes, right? And uh, but when we can get still and when we can get purposeful and we get mindful about what our body is actually saying to us, we can start listening to it and letting it guide us. And the body's amazing at healing once we start listening to it. How? How once you switched sort of your lifestyle and really made the decision to live healthy, how long did it take before you really started seeing some difference in how you felt? Well, let's say last mm, March, you know, I went to the doctor. Uh, actually, I went to the doctor today um, for a regular checkup. Mm -hmm. But he told me last year in March, he said, you know, you're a borderline diabetic again. Uh, you know, this is something that's been happening to you, you know, over the years, occasionally. I said, yeah. And, and he said, you know, you're complaining about having joint pain and, and having some of these issues. You know, first, you got to lose some weight uh, and you got to start acting, you know, your age. You can't, you know, keep jumping and, and <laughs> dancing around like you do. Well, uh, not fair. <laughs> I'm a dancer, right? Yeah. I love to dance. But, you know, the thing is, is I, I've suffered, um, you know, lower back issues and pain and and all these other issues over the years. And I've had to be aware of that. And I've suffered greatly at times because of that. Uh, but for a whole year now, I have not had an issue because I have decided to be consistent with the lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's why I titled the book that way. You know, why your lifestyle is killing you. It's because I was not consistent with my lifestyle. You know, I was doing this, doing that, sometimes this, sometimes that, no. We have to be focused and consistent with what we do, what we eat, how we do it. And the fact that I fast once a month and I'm consistent with that, the fact that I don't eat breakfast, but I start my breakfast or basically my eating at noon, uh, you know, all those things matter because you have to give your body a chance to recover every single day. Mm -hmm. And that recovery is while you sleep. So you have to get a better night's sleep. So in my book, I actually detail some of the things you need to do. And, I, I, and this is every week I take a bath, at least on a Sunday night, and relax my body for the week. And I go through a massage, and I go through all these wonderful, holistic nature things to get my body right for the week. I may take a shower every night during the week, but on Sunday, I'm in that bathtub with Epsom salt and detoxifying and getting rid of all that stress mm -hmm. that I had for the week. So we all need to do that. Uh, when you think about it, I mentioned in the book that we were in our mother for nine months in a liquid bath, right? Mm -hmm. So how is it we don't understand how good that is right now as a, a human being needing to get in water? Water is 70% of us. So how is it we don't need it? We need to get in it. And uh, the famous uh, writer, uh, Trumbo, uh, he spent a lot of his time writing in a tub of bath water. Most of his most famous writings, yes. Dalton Trumbo wrote in a full tub of bath water. Mm -hmm. So how can we not understand the clarity that he understood, uh, one of the most famous writers of all time, having that clarity to be able to write these wonderful screenplays, how can we not understand that? All that is very important to us. So we have to do the same thing. 
And I think it's nature too. Well, water I love being in because it reminds me to flow, like to go with the flow, to not hold on so tightly. Things aren't so solid. Life ebbs and flows. Just roll with it. Um, yes. But you also believe in earthing as well, which is something I love to yes. do as well. And that is just getting close to the ground, touching trees, touching the dirt, connecting to the earth itself. And what do you find the health benefits are with that? Well, I mentioned in my book when my brother passed away, um, 30 some 30 years ago that, uh, you know, I went outside because I was overwhelmed and I touched a tree, an oak mm-hmm. tree outside of this hospital. And suddenly something took all of that emotion and it went into the tree. Yeah. I know it's hard to talk about it right now, but uh, it disappeared. I, 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 I had never felt something like that before that, that just uh, drained my body of disappointment. Uh, it was like the tree was hugging me back. Mm-hmm. So we have to understand that nature is already prepared for us to be a part of it. It's already there for us to partake. It, it needs us and we need them. The fact that we breathe out oxygen, or excuse me, they breathe out oxygen that we need. We breathe out the carbon dioxide that they need. You know, we share a need. So we need to, you know, hug them, hug the earth hug the trees, hug the plants, put the plants in our bodies because we need them, they need us and we help each other. So why not all be a part of that? Absolutely. I like to call it forest bathing when I'm out yes. in the woods. Yeah, so you bathe in the water, you can bathe in the forest as well. So before we wrap up, I want to ask a fun question um, yes. and I'll make sure to put everything in the show notes so people will know exactly where to find you and your book. Uh, but... <laughs> I, I want to know about Bruno Mars because you know him, right? You know him and his family. So what, what happened that you ran into or, or managed to spend time with Bruno Mars? What was he like as a person? Well, he's a wonderful talent. And yeah. of course, at some point, I thought I was a wonderful talent. But <laughs> see, I was, I was a little bit older than him. Uh, me and uh, some friends were walking around Waikiki in Hawaii and heard this little voice that was singing during the holidays. And, mm-hmm. and it just happened to be little Elvis. Uh, of course, Bruno Mars was known as Little Elvis back then in the early 90s. And so we just, you know, stood there watching this little kid just belt out all these wonderful Christmas songs. But two years later, I became part of the family. Uh, and because we were, you know, trying to get involved in entertaining in Waikiki. And his family had this uh, group. His mother had a group called the Love Notes. Um, uh, Sweet Bernadette Bayot uh, was his mother, her maiden name. Um, Hernandez was her married name. Peter Hernandez uh, was her husband. Peter Hernandez Jr. is actually Bruno Mars' real name. Um, but, you know, the, the thing was, is that as I tried to progress in, you know, getting my uh, singing career off, uh, you know, I won some karaoke competitions. I was on a show called Hawaii Stars and won. Uh, and, you know, we were trying to get ourselves going in this entertainment world. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in the meantime, Bruno, he started writing songs. He started making things happen as he became a teenager. And before we knew it, by the time he was in his 20s, he was good to go. And his yeah. mother kept encouraging him to keep moving forward. And at some point, uh, you know, if you're from Hawaii, you understand it's hard to leave Hawaii and not want to come back. So at some point, he did not want to stay in L.A., he wanted to come back home and he's on the phone with his mom saying, mom, I want to come home. I miss everybody. I miss everything. I don't want to stay here. I don't like LA. I really don't like this place. And I don't like these people. And she says, well, just give it some more time. 
it's going to work. And believe it or not, it just took another year. And him and B.O.B. got that song together. And, you know, back in like 2010, he got his hit. And that was it. That's the rest of the story. And, and now he's just this icon who, you know, does entertainment in, in Las Vegas. Um, mm-hmm. And the strange thing is I lived in Las Vegas years ago <laughs> myself, trying to break into the entertainment business there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we, we kind of have those things in common. Uh, but of course, uh, the connection to Bruno was more just understanding his journey and the fact that his journey really was one of much difficulty, uh, much like myself. He had all mm-hmm. the dysfunction in his family when he was young. Uh, you know, his family was homeless for a little while. You know, a lot of things went on with him that were unfortunate. And I understood because I went through similar. So we have to appreciate that, you know, life doesn't always work out necessarily, especially as we grow. But we stay the course. Bruno Mars stayed the course. I'm staying the course. Yes. That's the important thing. We're here. We're moving forward. And we're enjoying it now. It, it's the pleasure of having that journey and understanding the work it takes and then making it happen. And then it happens. It's such a beautiful thing. I am just overjoyed just to be on this show with you, Chrissy, and to be able to bring you this story. It's fantastic to be here and to be alive and to be vibrant. And every day I wake up like thunder. That's amazing. Uh, That was the first thing I noticed because we only just met today. And the yes. first thing I noticed was just, you were happy. You were excited. You yeah. were clapping your hands. You were like dancing in your chair. You were so excited. Yes. And I just, I love that energy. And that is exactly it. You are living your story. You are living yes. your life and you're really living it. So amazing. Congratulations. And I'm really excited you. for your book Thank to you. come out. Are there any last thoughts you would like to share with the audience before we wrap up? Well, I always think in these terms. Uh, as I said before, you know, life many times is a struggle, but I want everybody to understand that you can be you and you can make you happy. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't always take other people. It takes thinking positive and maintaining that positive course in life and thanking God for just being here. Great advice. Thank you so much, Juan. Thank you. You're welcome. Yes. And Light Podcast Network, where we enlighten, entertain, and educate our listeners. Please remember to like, share, and subscribe, and don't forget to tell your friends.